I invite Margaret Zachary, except she can't be seated. She has to come up. She's giving our witness tonight. Uh, it's a real delight and honor to uh, have Margaret come up. She, uh, I approached her. Actually, someone gave me a little birdie had given me her name uh, that she might uh, be willing to share how God has been at work in her life, and she agreed, and I know that you will be moved by her testimony tonight. Thank you, Pastor Sherry. Well, I'm honored to be here tonight, and I'm very excited uh, for the opportunity to share my story, my walk with God, with all of you. Um, I am going to take us all the way back to page one for our scripture tonight, so get ready, okay. Uh, Close your eyes for me, because I really want you to take a moment to try and picture this. Genesis Chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You can open your eyes. Actually, just kidding. We're going to pray. You can close them again. Loving God, thank you for gathering this wonderful community of followers together in love for you. Be with me as I give this testimony and work through me and let it glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. The King James Version says, the earth was without form and void, void, darkness over the surface of the deep. Have you been there? in the valley of darkness? I have. You'll hear about some of that tonight. And then suddenly, light. When I sat down to figure out how to articulate how God is working in my life, I made two separate lists. One marked the darkest moments in my life, and one marked the brightest. What I realized when I compared these two lists is that Every bright moment in my life and every turning point had come out of every dark moment. In my younger years, my mother was really great about the power of positivity and bringing out all the positive out of the negative, and so I had a naturally positive outlook. But because of this, I've always believed that everything happens for a reason. Over the last year, though, I've come to realize that maybe that's not how I see the world and not how I see God working anymore. What I do believe is that God seeks out the darkness and the suffering and the sorrow that has entered his world, and he finds ways to turn them into light. What I'm also beginning to understand is that as his child, I have the opportunity to participate in that process with him. I was raised by a single mother in San Antonio with lots of help and lots of love from my grandparents, who became my second set of parents. We never had a home church, but they always found ways to put God into our conversations, planting my very first little seeds. But I don't remember ever seeing God or understanding how he worked in my life until I was 14 and my mother got stage four breast cancer. I watched as chemotherapy and radiation broke her down 
and sucked almost every ounce of life out of her. And I watched as God built her back up and gave her the strength to determine that dying was not an option. Four months after we started to make sense of this new normal, my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer. So my grandpa and I naturally banded together and we were determined to be the strong ones for the most important women in our lives. In this deep darkness and unknown, I saw God work through many of the people that we knew. They came through for us in the most significant and meaningful ways. My mom's friends cooked meals for us so that she didn't have to cook. Some made and sold candles for her so that they could help pay for her medical bills. And someone even sent her an anonymous $1,000 check. God's love and grace came through his people and showed us that no amount of darkness could snuff out his light. Once my mom and grandmother went into remission, mom decided it was time to change our circumstances. And now I'm understanding that was probably God, not, not just my mom. She took an early retirement and we moved to Fredericksburg. There I met a woman named Trish who owned a shop on Main Street, who, by the way, I just reconnected with after 15 years, because that's how God works. Isn't that awesome? Trish told me recently that she believes it is her call from God to be a chain puller, a person who pulls the chain connected to the light bulbs inside of people in order to help them see and feel God's light. This is exactly what she did for me as a teenager. Trish was the first person who truly showed me what it was like to be face-to-face -face with Jesus. She introduced me to him both through scripture and through her actions. She poured light into my life, and she nurtured those seeds that had been planted inside of me in the most careful and loving ways, never making me feel condemned or judged at this point in my life, Jesus started to feel a little bit closer and more relatable, but I didn't know how to be in relationship with him, nor did I understand the need to be in relationship with him. I had begun to take some baby steps toward Jesus, but then it wasn't long before I turned around and went in the opposite direction. When I went off to college, I decided to exercise all of my newfound freedom. Please tell me somebody else has been there. Right? Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> Being on my own for the first time, I was lost, insecure, I was scared. Darkness has a way of using all of those emotions against us, yes? I went searching for belonging, and what I found were people that I allowed to lead me down the wrong path. We poured false love into each other's lives, participating in very self-destructive behavior. I spent most of my freshman and sophomore year drunk, partying, skipping class, and then I began a series of extremely toxic relationships. That's when evil really began to take root inside me, and I pushed away anyone who showed me any kind of genuine love and compassion, especially my mother, my poor mother. My mother had battled stage four breast cancer only four years before, and I, I brought cancer into our relationship. At one point, I told her she was overbearing, 
that she was controlling and manipulative. And I distanced myself as much as I could from her for the next three years. All the while, I was attending a Methodist school, going to chapel on a regular basis, and saying I knew Jesus. But I was a despicable representation of him. I proved I didn't know him at all. I was the darkest version of myself, and it was all due to the choices that I had made and the evil that I allowed to come into my life. After college, I moved here to Austin, attempting to run away from that person that I had become in Abilene. But as you can imagine, that didn't work. Running is not the answer, because I had done no soul-searching or praying up to that point. I spent the first few years here seeking connections in the familiar and comfortable club scene, and I continued the same self-destructive behavior. I began to spiral down into one of those deep, dark valleys and into a deep depression. <clears throat> but as hard as I tried, I could not run away from Jesus. You been there too? Yes? Over the next couple of years, he slowly and carefully guided me back onto the path that he knew I was supposed to be on. At times, that guidance came in the form of clear, open doors. And at times, that guidance came in the form of major roadblocks. Those roadblocks led me to a career as a preschool director that became a light that changed my whole world and that wouldn't allow me to live the life I had been living. I made amends with my mom, and I also made real friends who poured real love into my life. I began to realize over time that Jesus had done all of this to forcibly remove me from those toxic situations that I had put myself in. I got to a place where I was able to look back and see all the work he had done, but I was still missing a deep, personal, present relationship with him and his community of followers. So one of the major ways that I've come to realize that I'm experiencing God or have experienced God is when I get something repeated to me over and over and over again and in a short amount of time. Does this happen to you guys? Yes, I see nods. Okay. Um, well, I work with small children, so I understand the need for repetition over and over and over and over again for retention, but y'all, I am no different from a small three-year-old. I need that repetition in order to know that I'm experiencing God. So this next turning point really illustrates how God graciously repeats himself for my sake in order for me to get it. This dark spot came in September 2016 when my grandpa, the only father I had ever known, died. He was the rock in our family. He understood me in ways that nobody else did, and when he died, my world crumbled. I didn't know how to deal with my grief, and I couldn't make sense of life without him. Not long after he passed away, I signed myself and some friends up for a painting class so I could paint this picture. That one's mine. I did that one. The picture had been painted previously. We were going to, I was going to paint it for my grandmother so she would have it while she grieved. Um, so I knew what it would look like, and it was titled, In the Darkness, There is Light. I was so desperately seeking light in this darkness. 
Christmas that year was extremely difficult for my family. You know, the first Christmas after losing a loved one. Tradition is a killer. I remember lying in bed the day after Christmas listening to old voicemails of his, and I'm just bawling. And, and I realized in that moment that I was not going to get through this anguish without God. So I made it my New Year's resolution to do some church hopping and find a church home. And uh, I imagined myself going to like 20 different churches and experiencing all these different kinds of worship. But my first and last stop was Bethany. So here I am. The first service I attended here was on New Year's Day 2017, and it was the first sermon of Epiphany. And it's, it was titled, Light the Night. And I still have that church bulletin because I am so sentimental. This was the call to worship. God's light shines in the darkness. The darkness has lifted from our eyes. God's glory is all around us. Our hearts are filled with joy. Christ's star is risen in the sky. We will follow this star to discover the light of the world. See the repetition? Yes. God's light shines in the darkness. Darkness has lifted from our eyes. I knew in that moment that I was home. There was no question that Bethany was the light that he was bringing out of my darkness. Those sprouts inside of me finally began to get the light that they needed in order to start growing. Not long after I got here, the Holy Spirit began to work diligently to connect me with people who would walk with me on this journey. Jill Johnson was one of them. And about a year ago, she strongly encouraged me to take Alpha. If you know Jill, her strong encouragements are almost they feel mandatory, right? But you should always listen if this happens to you because that's kind of one of her working arrangements with the Holy Spirit, I think. It's just how they work together. It works. So during Alpha, I learned how to pray, how to seek God and hear his voice, and how to let him guide my daily interactions with other people. I gained a new interest in reading his word and understanding how it pertains to my life. On the Alpha Retreat, for the first time in my life, I completely and totally surrendered myself to God. I began to ask him what he wanted for me, and I learned how to respond to his nudges. One of those responses, for example, led me away from a potentially unhealthy relationship and toward two major sources of light in my life, my boyfriend Chris and his daughter Gabby. Uh, I mean, he could have stopped there, right? He could have just dropped the mic on that one. Like, they're perfect. But he didn't stop there. There's more. He got like probably 15 more minutes of this. God continued to show himself to me and nurture our relationship in many ways, especially through the loving community and support system he carefully put in place for me. It has become clear that he put them into my life in order to shine his light on me during the next major turning point in my life. 
This past summer, I was in Colorado on vacation with my mom, visiting my aunt and uncle at their cabin. I have never seen such a beautiful representation of God's creation than the scenery at their cabin. I really don't get out much, so Colorado was it for me. It's beautiful. They live by this mountain that's covered in evergreen and aspen trees. It's just like it's just a wall of green, and then at the bottom there's this beautiful babbling brook, and you can just hear it all the time. And their cabin is buzzing with hummingbirds constantly. I've never seen so many hummingbirds in my life. It was a very relaxing vacation for the first two days. So two days into our week-long vacation, my aunt and uncle and I decided to go ride up ATVs up a mountain. I had never been on a four-wheeler before, so we thought it was a really good idea to go up a mountain. <laughs> About 15 minutes into the ride on our way up, I took a turn too wide, and my front wheel went off the edge and rolled about 20 feet down, taking me with it and rolling over me. I stood up as quickly as I could, wincing with pain and struggling to breathe. The four-wheeler had broken my ribs and punctured my right lung. I could barely take in any air. Riding back to the cabin on the back of my uncle's ATV, I remember this moment where everything just got really bright. And I thought, this is it. This is the moment that I'm going to die. All I could do was stare at the evergreen trees that were rapidly turning a bright shade of green. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't talk, I couldn't cry. But in that moment, my uncle slapped my hands and immediately all the color came back into the world. They got me back up to their cabin and then everyone went into full crisis mode. I couldn't communicate that I couldn't breathe, but eventually someone figured it out and realized that I needed to get to the hospital. The nearest was in Denver, about an hour and a half to an hour 45 minutes away. I was in so much pain that every bump on the way down their three-mile dirt road just to get to the main street was excruciating. A few hours after we got to Denver, after some very painful CT scans and x-rays, I was wheeled into an OR because my lung had collapsed. I was terrified to be put under anesthesia because I just knew if I closed my eyes, I was not going to wake up. All of my choices, though, were taken away from me because I had to have a tube put in my chest to suck out the air between my lung and my chest wall in hopes that my lung would reinflate. And by the grace of God, it did. While I felt so grateful to be alive, and I knew, I knew that Jesus had pulled me up off that mountain and breathed life back into me, I was also lost. A 12-week minimum recovery for broken ribs left me feeling like I, as a person, was fractured. It was like taking a step backwards. I was in so much constant physical pain and suffering, suffering under the mental weight of the trauma that I had been through. I couldn't be the school principal that I was supposed to be or the daughter, or friend, or girlfriend, or stepmom that I was supposed to be. I was overwhelmed at not being able to keep up with normal life, which, as you know, does not slow down. And emotionally, I began to come unglued. I didn't know how to be back to normal after this near-death experience. 
My family, my best friends, my boyfriend and his daughter, they just loved on me. Despite my personal pity party, my defeatist attitude, and my inability to manage any personal responsibility in my life, they took care of me, cooked for me, lifted things for me when I needed, and they checked in on me daily. God put them into my life to make up for every ounce of strength that I had lost. This church family came through for me in ways that I still can't wrap my mind around. I still have all of the loving text messages that I received while I was in the hospital from every church member that I was connected to at the time. People in my Sunday school class, people that I had taken Alpha with, people that I had sat with during worship, people in my grow group. I received flowers from Jill in the shape of my dog. (laughs) It's like... It's really, it's almost hard to tell the difference. (laughs) So, so cute. My first time back to church, I was handed a prayer shawl. A prayer shawl. Someone made this for me, and then people got together and prayed over it for me so that I would be wrapped in love and prayers through my recovery. While I was going through all of this, I was led toward a Stephen minister whose purpose was to walk alongside me through my physical and emotional agony, the effects of that trauma, and the grief that I felt over my lost sense of self. She walked beside me lovingly, without judgment, as I poured my heart out to her week after week, and she carried my pain so that I didn't have to carry it alone. I did nothing to deserve all of this. I couldn't have earned this. This pure, unconditional love that Jesus showed me through all of his followers was completely overwhelming and all-consuming. I cannot express the magnitude of the effects of being completely and totally, unconditionally loved by others, knowing that you did nothing to deserve it. That's love that can only come from Jesus. That kind of love is heart-changing, and that kind of love spreads. Through this most recent experience, God gave me a new lens with which to view the world. He moved me into a place where I was not only able to see and communicate with him in the present, but I also realized that I myself had work to do as his follower. It was not only about recognizing him and thanking him for the light that he was shining into my life, but now it was my duty to let him spread that light through me. When all of his love poured into me, when people loved me right where I was and made personal sacrifices in order to take care of me, they showed me what kind of person that I was supposed to be toward other people. This light, this love was like energy. It could only be transferred. I have no choice now but to let it spread outward from my being. His love and guidance have allowed me to let go of past hurt, and bitterness, and has given me a desire to serve others where I never would have looked for opportunity to serve before. This experience woke me up to the fact that my purpose on this earth is to serve God by loving people the way that he loves me. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. 
but the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Every moment, we have a choice between light and dark. Even in the smallest moments, like choosing between gossip and standing up for someone, between holding on to a grudge and reconciling with a friend, or between saying hi to the homeless man and ignoring him. In the communities we choose, in the relationships we build, and with the people that we meet on a daily basis, we have the opportunity to represent Jesus. We were created to do exactly what my family, my friends, and my church family did for me. To meet people right where they are, and to spread the love and light that comes from Jesus. Planting seeds and spreading light is how we help him bring the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the difference between knowing who Jesus is and being in relationship with him. How is God working in my life? So many ways. He speaks to me through music, through nature, through his word, through the gentlest of nudges, but especially through my relationships. He used people like my mom, my grandparents, and Trish to plant seeds in me early on. And he, though he allowed me the free will and choice to make the mistakes that led me away from him, he never left me. Throughout my journey, he has put people in my path that would walk alongside me through this journey and that would carefully nurture those seeds and show me what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus. From the beginning in Genesis 1, he tells us he makes light from darkness. I mentioned earlier that I once believed that everything happened for a reason. But I struggled with that idea when I fell off that mountain. I heard this quote on the radio that says, God doesn't break things so he can fix them. He fixes broken things so he can use them. When my ribs cracked, he used that opportunity to reach in and take hold of my heart, giving me the desperate desire to surrender my life to him. He breathed life back into my lungs, and he reminded me that every breath was a gift. The least I could do was use it to give myself back to him, trust him to continue to lead me toward his light, and ask him to show me how to spread that light in his world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the ways that you seek out darkness and turn it into light. As we move toward communion, let us remember your son, Jesus, who experienced ultimate darkness on our behalf. And through his resurrection, brought forth the brightest light. God, I ask you to be with anyone and all of us in the midst of our darkness. Anyone who's experiencing it right now. And take that darkness and bring forth light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.